0: Well, today we're uh, continuing on with a series of messages called uh, The Dream Giver. And, uh, it's based on this book, um, that you are more than welcome to pick up. It's by Bruce Wilkinson. It's called the dream giver. And, uh, those are in the back, uh, back there. And, uh, you can pick up one of those, uh, if you would like for a small, uh, a small purchase fee. Um, and we'd love to get that in your hands. It's going to be helpful as we're going through the series together. Uh, one of the best books I've ever read. And I don't say that about every book, but there's some books that really stir your heart and get you thinking about things like you never have before. Um, and so I want to encourage you, You to pick that up um, if you haven't uh, already. So it's our third week, and uh, I I couldn't be more excited about this series. And I hope that you've been reading along in that and kind of following this story. The reason we're going through Exodus, the reason that's been our scripture readings the last few weeks, is that God gave Moses a dream to lead the people out of Egypt into the promised land. And so that's kind of the backdrop to this whole story uh, as well. But I think uh, one of the reasons I'm really excited about this series is that. Sometimes I think one of the most overlooked obstacles to our faith is not always these deep, dark sins that we hide. It's not always um, the the, the things that we fail to do. We think that that those are obstacles and we can't grow in our faith unless we get rid of all our sin. But I I think one of the the things that, that so often we forget that gets in the way of us growing in our relationship with God is our beliefs about who we are is our beliefs, uh, our identity. And in turn, based out of our identity, how do we live each day? And maybe you haven't thought about that in a while, but we we talked a few weeks ago about so many of us, we had a balance beam over here, I guess what looked like a balance beam. And we had a balance beam and we talked about how so many of us, if we're up on this Olympic balance beam, so many of us, instead of doing the routine that God gave us to do, instead of living the life that God calls us to do, we're just kind of holding on you can imagine what an Olympic gymnast just holding on for dear life to that balance beam and we get to thinking one day, is this, is this it? Is this all that I was created for? Just holding on, just barely getting by, just making it. I mean, is this why people become Christians? So they just have more things to feel bad about. Is that really what it's all about? Just surviving, getting through another day, but thank God that there's more. Thank God that there's more. Thank God that we've been offered this incredible invitation that we've been talking about the last few weeks. Not, not only to, to have dreams, but to follow that God who is the dream giver. To follow a God that is anything but safe. And we get to do some dreaming along the way. And so not only does this God we worship say, dream, he says, I gave you those dreams. I am the giver, and now take courage and follow them. And so I pray, it is, it is my heart's desire that over the past few weeks, you've had the chance to do much more than sit back and nod your head. Because that's one part of being the church, right? One part of being the church is listening to God's word. But I pray that as we go throughout this sermon series, that it would not just be a head nodder. I pray that it would move you to action. I pray that it would move you to wrestle with those things in your heart. That Sunday morning would just be the beginning of the rest of the week, of you wrestling with God and, and exploring that together i pray that you've decided to say to god god i want everything that you have for me in this whole idea of dreams god i i I pray that that god's opened up some of those desires of your heart and that you've been asking over the last several weeks god what is it that you have created me to do why have you put me here on this earth and that looks different for every single one of us so what is it for you Maybe a dream that God has placed on your heart is to go back to school and to get your degree. Maybe it's to find that job where you finally feel like my gifts can truly be used here. Maybe it's to be a really, really good father to your children. See, sometimes I think we can get thrown off by all this idea of dreams and think that, and we're sitting around thinking, well, I have some desires in my heart, but they're not really that big and they're not, they're these high and lofty goals and sometimes I think we can be led astray when we say dreams and we get thrown off by that language and you might think, oh, my desires, they're not big or that important, but they are because they're yours and the God who made you put them there. That's why they're important. And so what are your desires? What are your dreams this morning? Maybe it's to own your own company someday. Maybe it's that elusive dream of some creative project that just seems a little bit too out of the box, but it won't go away. What, have, what are the desires that God has placed on your heart that you've just kind of shoved under the rug all these years? What are those dreams and desires that God has put on your heart that you've just kind of locked up or that you've let die, or as we'll talk about later today, sometimes people can take those dreams Away from you, because I'm guessing that as we've gone through this series, you're hearing about all these dreams, all these dreams. Everybody's got dreams. La da 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 da. And I'm guessing that that one of your two reactions at some point might have been one: this is kid stuff, right? We're watching clips from the movie up the last couple weeks, so it's just kind of this this floaty stuff up in the clouds, just for kids, right? That's something that we do when we're children, is we dream. So maybe that's one reaction, maybe. Second reaction is maybe this. Okay, 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 okay. Even if I had a dream, even if God placed a big dream on my heart, it's just not time. Serious, John, let's get down to business and study the Bible. There's no time for dreams. It's not realistic. You see, my life is so far from chasing your dream. I've got bills to pay. I've got t- kids to take care of. I've got to get my marriage intact. I've got, a, I got some relationships that are broken. Uh, my job's not going so well. I've got deadlines to meet. I'm just trying to survive. I don't have time to ask God what his dreams are for me. Let's just get realistic. And I wonder if it's your desire to keep things realistic and tame that's holding you back from experiencing the freedom that God wants to usher you into. In other words, you're settling for life like a caterpillar. Let me explain. So, imagine that you're a caterpillar. Everybody kind of take your fingers like this. Just put them above your head. It'll just give you a better picture. Don't look around you, just do it. Put your, head like, put your hands up like this. You're a caterpillar. Okay, and what do caterpillars do? What a caterpillar. Some of you are like I'm never coming back again. What 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 a what a caterpillar's do? What do they normally do? They eat and they do what? They kind of squirm around, they crawl around. Like if I'm a caterpillar, this is my life. Oh, look, a branch. I'm going to climb it. And that's whoa. And that's probably the most exciting thing that you're going to get to do your whole life is to see how high you can climb up a weed. Or a branch. Or a leaf. And the rest of the time, your life is spent crawling in the dirt. You're a caterpillar, right? That's what you were created to do. Or so you think. So one day, you're a caterpillar, okay? You're still a caterpillar. You get the idea. You're still a caterpillar. And imagine with me, one day, you take a really, really, really long nap. Okay, some of you're like, I would love to be a caterpillar. So, you take a really long nap. Okay, you're asleep. And however long it takes, then you wake up from that nap. And you know, you're kind of wiping the the gunk out of your eyes, the sleep out of your eyes, and you kind of raise your arms up and you stretch and you're like, get out of town, right? You got to be kidding me. What what in the world is this? And you kind of start flapping these things, right? And maybe your voice changes because you're going through puberty. And, and you, start, you start flapping your wings and, 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 you're, and you start to like, you float up in the air and you're like, what am I, Peter Pan or something? I'm a caterpillar. And you start to float and it gets a little scary because you've never experienced this before. Your life is crawling in the dirt and crawling up weeds and you've never experienced this before. And you start to float like, whoa, this is way out of my comfort zone. And so you just kind of go, I got, I got to stop. And then you just fall flat on your face, right? And you're back down in the dirt. Because you weren't created to fly. You were just created to crawl around in the dirt. Remember, your identity is nothing but a chubby little worm. Right? I crawl in the dirt. And so we kind of laugh and giggle at that. I'm like, yeah, I know, the whole caterpillar butterfly thing. But how many of us are saying the same thing to our creator? These days, now you don't get it. I'm I'm just a teacher. I'm just an accountant. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. You see, I I'm just I'm just a cashier at the store. I I don't fly. I'm ordinary. I crawl in the dirt. It's how I get by. It's it's really all I know. It's safer. It's safer my relationship with God is really, really nice until it pushes me out of my comfort zone. It's really nice until it takes me to that edge that Pastor Mike talked about last week. And at that point, you have to decide, am I going to go back to being a chubby little caterpillar that crawls in the dirt? Or am I going to embrace who God created me to be and fly? You were created... To fly. You were created to fly. But not all of us live that way. A lot of times we crawl in the dirt. And I don't want you to miss out on that opportunity that God has created you for. And this is, it's not a a pep talk. This isn't a pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. It's embracing who God says you already are. That's Christian maturity. It's not striving and climbing up the ladder to be a better and better person. Just like the caterpillar, he just needs to embrace who he is. Once he's a butterfly, God says, you're a butterfly. And you can try to be a caterpillar, but it might look kind of silly if you're a butterfly that's trying to poke his head through the dirt and crawl. Because it's not who you were created to be. And the same thing God says to us. What would it look like if we started to fly? What would it look like if we went to the edge of what's familiar in our life lives and started to dream with God? And I pray that for many of you, he's awakened some of those desires and you've been thinking and dreaming the last few weeks and you've been asking God, what does this mean? And so last week we talked about, okay, so once we set out on our big dream, once we know what our dream is, there's a lot of internal fears and insecurities that we have to deal with. And if we're going to experience life with Jesus, we've got, we got to start moving beyond those. We've got to start moving just beyond religion and, and start moving forward with the attitude of, Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And when I look at this book, it might ask me to do things that I don't want to do. So are we spectators to Christianity or are we following Jesus? And that is the big question. When I look at Jesus' life, does my life look like His? That's the question. Am I going to move beyond comfortable Christianity? And we say, God, I'll go because I trust you. Not because it's not scary, but I'll go because I trust you. But this week, we kind of enter a new chapter in the story of the dream giver. If we've dealt with those internal fears, and we say, okay, God, I trust you, and I'm moving out on my fear. The next thing that comes is what I want to call unexpected opposition. Unexpected opposition. We think we've dealt with our own fears, but then we run into opposition from the outside. Right? What happens when God's dream for you, what happens when God lays something on your heart and all of a sudden you hit roadblock after roadblock after roadblock? What happens when God's dream for you starts to get difficult? Even painful? Well, our story in our scripture today speaks directly to that. So if you still have your Bibles open, let's flip those back to Exodus chapter 14, starting at verse 5. Exodus 14, starting at verse 5. If you can remember, God's big dream for Moses was to lead his people, the Israelites, out of slavery into Egypt and into the promised land. And our story picks up in verse 5 when courageously, so Moses has led the people out of Egypt, Uh, Against all odds, he's done this, and and God's on his side, and God is with them, and he's creating all the plagues, and they escape Pharaoh, and they're moving out of of Egypt, and all is going well for Moses and the crew. Thousands of them following behind. This is God's dream. So everything should go according to plan, right? Well, maybe not so much. We're following God, and it's been smooth sailing so far, but it's not going to stay that way forever. So let's look at verse 5 together. Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done? Letting all those Israelite slaves get away. They asked. Verse 6. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. And he took with him all his best chariots. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And he chased after the people of Israel. So now instead of the safe, predictable, daily struggle of building pyramids in Egypt. Think about this for a second. The Israelites, God's people, find out. That when you're following God's dream, it's his agenda that you're on, not your agenda. Or as Proverbs puts it, we make our plans, but it's God who determines our steps. And so the Israelites start to wrestle with the same struggles that I think you and I face a lot. And we ask the same challenging questions. If God is on our side, if, if this is God's big dream for us, then why is it so hard? If I've said, God, I'm going to live my life for you, I thought being a Christian made everything easier. Right? Shouldn't it just be a walk in the park? Well, maybe not. Where is God in pain? Where is God in struggle? And so verse 10, uh, here's, here's how they react. Maybe not the best way to react, but here's how they react. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses... Now, now, if you're going to get the full effect of this, you kind of have to do it in a whiny voice. Everybody kind of go, whine. Just kind of get that whiny. Whine, Yes, yeah. so that's kind of what the Israelites are doing. You don't get the full effect of Scripture unless you do that. Okay, so they're whining. Verse 11. Why did you bring us out of here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? You can just imagine Moses is just pulling his hair out, right? It's like dealing with a room full of kindergartners and they're just whining and whining and whining and it's nap time. The Israelites need a timeout, but they just keep on bickering and complaining. Didn't we tell you that this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, so we said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves for the Egyptians. Do you realize what they're saying? Did you hear that? We prefer slavery to the unknown. We would rather be slaves in Egypt building pyramids all day long than follow God's big dream because it's getting a little scary. And I wonder if you and I do the same thing when we encounter pain and suffering in our lives. When we're scared and confused, what's your normal reaction? Is it to complain like the Israelites did? Because it's so easy to point fingers It's so easy to blame others and to just say, you know what? It's not worth it. Trusting God is just too hard right now. Nothing's changing in my life. And in the end, what we do is that we go back to standing on the balance beam, settling for an ordinary life as a caterpillar instead of bracing the unknown and the mystery of following God. But I don't know about you But I think what the Israelites didn't get that day is that God is a God for today. God is a God for today. God is a God for right now. And I don't know about you, but I need a God for today. I need a God that knows exactly what I'm dealing with, what what I'm going through in my life right now. But far too many voices in the religious circles will say this, when you're experiencing pain and struggle and suffering and frustration in your life, here's what you hear, oh, just hang on, it'll be fine, because we'll all go to heaven someday, and then it'll be great. And you're left there saying, yeah, but what about now? What about right now? And yes, I believe it'll be better someday, but wouldn't it be great if we had a God that not only gave us dreams, but at certain points when you're pursuing your dreams, God carried you along? Wouldn't it be great if we had a God for today? And so listen to God's heart through Moses. Back to the scripture in verse 13. Moses' words, he says, do not be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Ip- Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Verse 14, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. And so you might be saying today, there's no way, there is no way that I can even dream because I'm, I'm in such a deep hole in my life. I've got so many mistakes and, and, and burdens and, and, and all of that from my past that, that there is no way that God could fix all my problems. I'm in such a deep hole that, you know what, it's not even worth dreaming anymore. I'd rather go back to Egypt. I'd rather go back to the safe and predictable slavery that I've been living in. But God says, I don't promise to fix all of your problems, but God says, I will fight for you, and I will continue to rescue you. As he says to the Israelites, when God says, I'm going to rescue you, that's not a one-time thing. God keeps saving us and saving us every single day. And God says to you, every single one of us today, I have sent my son. I have sent my son so that you could have life today. And that life may not be ideal, but today you have breath in your lungs and you have a community here who loves you and you have been given a purpose that's far beyond maybe anything that you could ever imagine. And you have to remember that today. Regardless of what the circumstances are in your life, your dream is still real. And nobody can take that away from you because God gave it to you. You want a God for today, you got him. He's here and he's real. But we talk about opposition and we're going along with our dream and sometimes the dreams are inside of us and sometimes the dreams come from outside. And they also, this opposition also comes because we live in a broken world with broken people. You and I included. And from that brokenness comes some of the most deepest, most difficult opposition that we'll face as we're going after our big dream. Opposition from those around us. Sometimes, doesn't it feel like the opposition in your life comes from those who know you and love you the most? Some of the most painful experience and deepest wounds that we have in our lives comes from the people that are supposed to love us, and accept us. But that doesn't always happen. And also often, the messages that we've been told throughout our lives, if we've moved out of the ordinary, it's those people and usually that are right around, around us. And instead of saying, what a dream, that's awesome, go for it, I believe in you. Here's what we normally hear. Are you crazy? Ever heard that before? That'll never work. You got to be out of your mind. Oh, I've seen that before. Yeah, that's not really unique. It's impossible. You ever heard those things before? And just for the sake of today, we're going to call those people border bullies. Say border bullies. Now I'll say it three times fast. No, I'm just joking. It's hard. Yeah. Okay. Border bullies. So you've moved past the border of the familiar and you've invaded the, their space. We've got these border bullies and they're standing around you and they're saying, no, that dream is a little bit too crazy. No, you're invading on my space. And so who have been some of the border bullies in your life? Chances are because your parents are imperfect like my parents. It's been your parents. Chances are, it's maybe your siblings. Chances are, it's that close circle of friends. Or maybe it's just people that you've continued to run up against to, against. Maybe if it was your parents, you can identify with Rudy. Remember Rudy Rudiger? He is that small town kid from Indiana. His life dream, his life goal and his ambition was to play football for the University of Notre Dame. But that's not how it worked out in his family. Rudiger boys worked at the mill. You go into the family business. You don't dream. Have you ever been misunderstood in your life? Let's take a look as Rudy faces some opposition from his father. I don't want to be Frank or Johnny. Because for Rudy, God's called him past the edge thanks dad i love you but no thanks because you know what you missed my heart sometimes we just completely miss each other's hearts we're blind to the glory that god has set inside the people that are sitting next to you today did you hear what his dad said (laughs) just be happy with what you have Just be happy with what you got. That should be enough. And hear me say this. There's nothing wrong with being content except when it gets in the way and except when it makes you settle for less than God created you for. And when we dream, we share our hearts with others. And opposition comes in all sorts of different ways. Have you ever experienced a border bully to your dream? When I was in eighth grade, I... uh, I was in junior high and my life was basketball and kind of like Rudy, instead of wanting to play for Notre Dame, my big dream was to play for none other than the University of The University of Iowa, of course, was my dream. And so, not Notre Dame, but the University of Iowa. The same thing. Just like Rudy, I'm a small-town boy. I'm a small-town boy from Iowa, and I weighed all of, like, 87 pounds. It was pretty awesome in eighth grade. So, I had a dream, and my teammates knew my dream, my coaches knew my dream, and I was convinced that I was going to be the next B.J. Armstrong. Does anybody remember B.J. Armstrong? Yes, good. Okay, B.J. Armstrong. I was going to be him, except I'm white, and that's okay. But... Um, I love BJ Armstrong. I love the entire team. And he was the star player at the time. And so I remember the game and we were playing Boone. Maybe some of you know where Boone is. So we were playing Boone. And now Boone was notorious for having players that were bigger and stronger and faster than any of us. And of course, you know, we were all pumped up because probably one of our first games of the season and it, it wouldn't matter what they look like until we got to the warm-ups. and we were, we were warming up. And we looked over at the other eighth graders, eighth graders hear me say that, eighth graders, and saw a guy like nothing we had ever seen before. Probably like sick. I mean, he looked like seven feet tall, but he was probably like six feet tall, right? Six, two. Muscles were just bursting out of his shirt. His jersey didn't even stay on him. And worst of all, he had a mustache. Get out of town, right? He looked like he was 34. He could have been our dad. So. This big hairy ogre of a guy ends up being the epitome of a border bully to me. My dream is to make a good impression on my 8th grade coach so I can make a good impression on the high school coach and then Dr. Tom Davis, the coach of the University of Iowa basketball team, will come and knock on my door and say, John, I saw you in the 8th grade basketball game in Boone. Get into town. You're on the team. That was my dream. And so every time I went up for a shot, this big hairy ogre dad looking of a man came and every time little John hip squeak 87 john would go up for a layup what do you think happened bam 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 rejection after rejection after rejection no chance and with every play with every shot that we took on our team it was like he was saying bam fear the mustache fear the mustache but you know what really what he was saying to me inside was so much for your dream So much for your dream. And finally, towards the end of the first half, I remember going up for a shot and I go between my legs and I go under the hoop and I'm coming around the opposite side. And who's standing there? You know, Harry man. And he's coming up and uh, I kind of flip it up like that and I try to get over and he swats it and guess where the ball goes? Right into my face. And of course, I weigh like a feather and so I go toppling to the ground and I could hear the other team laughing and all that stuff. Yeah, fear of the mustache is right. And so we go into halftime. That was the last play before half. And I will never forget one of my teammates, one of the people that's supposed to be supporting my dream, one of my teammates comes up and I don't think he will ever understand the weight of his words. And he comes up to me and he puts his hand on my shoulder and says, John, you're never going to play for Iowa with stupid plays like that. And it, It seems funny now looking back on it. I'm like, I have bigger dreams than that. It's okay. It's not going to happen. But at the time, it was powerful. And it was deep. And it's about the power of words that people speak into us. And they can either speak into our hearts or they can squash it. But that's not the end of the story. At the very end of that long and terrible game, we probably scored like eight points the whole game. On the final play, I'm like, I am going to score against Ogre Man. And so I drive around. I do the same play between my legs under the basket. And I come around. And this time, instead of flipping it over, I go behind the back to one of my players. And he's right there. And he puts it in. Strange how I remember these things. But we score. Ogre Man doesn't swat it. Everybody's like, whoa, what a great pass, John. That was awesome. And we still lost by like 80,000 points. But that doesn't matter. And so we're walking off. And my brother comes down. From the bleachers, same thing. puts his hand on my shoulder, and he looks me in the eyes, and he says, "Now that was a BJ Armstrong play right there." <sighs> right? And I waltzed out of that gym with my tearaway pants and my Iowa, you know, cover thing, and I'm like, "This dream isn't dead yet," because somebody took the time to speak in to me. The story introduces a new character into our story of the dream giver, and that's the dream champion, the one who speaks courage into your dream. And this is far deeper than just a little story about my eighth grade basketball team, it's far deeper about encouragement. Who knows you well enough to speak to you at the level of your soul? And at the time, that was the deepest thing about me. And my brother knew that. What is it for you? Who around you knows you well enough to speak to you at the level of your soul? If you had a dream today, is there anybody around you to walk with you? Does anybody know the real you? You see, we have the power in our words to speak life or death. Proverbs 18 says this, the tongue has the power of life or death. We can give life by our words, but also by our actions. Switching sports, again, I want to go back to Rudy one last time. And you remember Rudy had people in his life that squashed his dream, and he had people in his life that spoke into his dream. And long before he ever made it to Notre Dame, Rudy had a friend named Pete, who would sow seeds of faith in him from the very beginning. Let's take a look. You're the only one who ever took me seriously. Who have been those people in your life that have really taken you seriously? Who in your life do you have that takes the time to listen to your heart? You were born to wear that jacket, he says. And in the end, the power of a dream champion in your life does not lie in the eventual outcome of the dream. Rudy plays one play at the University of Notre Dame. I never stepped foot at Carver Hawkeye Arena in Iowa City to play basketball. But when you choose to speak life into another person, you plant seeds of courage and truth that last a lifetime. I will never forget my brother's words that day. And Rudy will never forget... Pete's words jesus had something to say about being champions versus bullies in matthew chapter twenty twenty six, jesus says whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be the first among you must become your slave for the son of man came not to be served but to serve others In the end, we can either be champions or bullies. We can be the people with the dreams, and we can be either champions or bullies for the people around us. We can either serve and choose to lay down our lives, or we can choose to just sit around and be served. What if you were put on this earth not just to dream, but to breathe life into others? What if maturity was less about how old you are or how much you know And more about constantly looking to those around you and saying, how can I make you shine? And that is my challenge for you this week. Look around you in your life. Who could you look to and say, how can I make you shine this week? How can I help you do what God has called you to do? And it starts at home. Husbands and wives, it starts at home. Do you know the dreams of your spouse? Do you know what makes them come alive? And your number one job, your number one role, and this goes for you that have have tight, close friends that you share your dreams with, your job is to help them become the man of God that they were created to be or the woman of God that they were created to be. That's your role as a dream champion. And it goes on to your kids. It's not just about giving them false hopes. It's about giving your kids room to breathe. Give their heart room to breathe. And why is this so important? Why does Jesus say, be a dream champion for others? Because it's what his father was for him. The very beginning of Jesus' ministry in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is baptized. And it says this, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Have you ever received that blessing? How many of us long to hear those words, especially from our parents, especially from our fathers. But many of us have never had that blessing. We've never had a dream champion in our lives. And so we're left to wonder, does my heart matter? Will anyone take me seriously? I spent some time with a family this past week with A mother and a father and a son and the dad in his 60s was struggling with cancer and he was entering its final stages. And I was there with the family for several hours and the son was starting his first year of college. And the son is sitting on the hospital bed near his dad who's got tubes and everything coming out of all sorts of places and the mask and his body is shriveling and getting old and i can tell that it's just so hard for the son to watch his father who's been so strong in his faith who's been such a big strong man his whole life and i can see in the son's eyes tears starting to fall and he's staring into his father's eyes and he's just he doesn't know what to say because his father can't speak to him anymore And then mustering up all the strength that he has, I see the father kind of sit up in his hospital bed. And his eyes open and he looks at his son. And with tears in his eyes, I see that father give the most deepest and truest nod to his son that I have ever seen. And he looked at his son and he he went... And the son started to weep. Far more than a nod, it was a father saying to his child, you are my son. With you, I am well pleased. Wherever you go in your life, whatever path you choose, opposition will come from inside of us and from the border bullies that surround us. And when you face setbacks in your life, you have to remember the one that said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And no one can ever take that away from you. You are my son. You are my daughter. No matter where you're at on your journey today, regardless of whether you've experienced that blessing in your life, May you know, every single one of you, may you know that your Father in heaven looks at you today and he gives you the nod of approval. And he says, I love you. And he gives you that blessing and he says, go and be a blessing to others. Be a dream champion today.